it's so late. You finally sit down on your living room couch after a trying day that, while dredging through it, seemed like it would never end. A small spider crawls across your living room floor. You race to smash it with some sufficiently demising object. You check to see if it's finally dead. It's dead. The only movements are its legs curling inward slowly as it does only because its internal machinery's driving synaptic mechanisms have shut down, contracting towards death. You force the object back down upon the dead spider. You hold it there for a moment. You feel safe. You feel powerful. You owned it before it got to you. Each and every one of us has this internal drive to fear and eventually take some form of control over things that we do not completely understand. Whether it be something or someone of a different color, perhaps someone speaking a different language, an animal that appears harmful, or a thought or premise that we just don't want in our heads. Anything that threatens our existence or our ability to control our own lives must go or, in the least, fall motionless under our thumb in fear as we grasp its neck with both hands, staring it in the eyes. But what if, for some reason, that's exactly what the animal wanted? What if that animal belonged to something or someone much greater than us? That story from the new book is that it was his only son. With the words that follow, Along with the continuation of my story, you may question his motives. Revenant One, reporting. When I look up at him, I see sorrow. I see pain. I see confusion. I see so many things that so many people just don't see. I feel lies. I feel hate. I feel, I feel anger. anger. Let's face it, here and now, what creature in its right mind would choose to elect to capture a humanly form in its dying moments and plaster it all over creation? When they look up, they don't see a savior. They don't see salvation. They see a man and they feel empowered. They think they know what they took him from. To them, that man is no different than that spider. But oh, what a web has been weaved. Kane. God damn you, Kane. The new book speaks of a savior. Someone to forgive all of you for your earthly sins of flesh. But I'm here to tell you, it was a trap. You did exactly what the creators wanted. A sacrifice to condemn us all. And the only creature that knew it at the time was Cain. There was an army, vastly outnumbering all armies. More than numbers are kings in the old book. This army was counted in culminations, a book discounted by those in New Rome of old. This includes both Patriarch Athenasius of Alexandria in 367 and St. Jerome in A Domine 400. 
This army was a being so large, evasive, and fierce that the Dark One simply refused to be involved. He had no choice but to cower and spectate. This battle was on the eve of crucifixion. This was the battle of eternity. The battle for man's soul. But Cain, Cain was so determined. And the populace, they were so decided. Oh, how the army raged towards Cain. So naive. Cain, wanting nothing more than God's human creation to suffer in bitter confusion, calmly approached the revenant's altar. Feather, salt, three teeth, heart of serpent, Sparrow skull. He marked the points of the symbol with sheep's blood and candles. Oh, blessed circled star. I'm standing there watching. He's casting a terrible fucking spell. And at first, to the army, it appeared that Cain was standing there helpless before an altar. But just before they reached Cain, he said the final words. And just, just like, like that, that Spears began ripping through the earth, and necromancers stood taller than clouds. than clouds, and Cain screamed, I will have your flesh on my boots. And that he did. There was nothing left of the opposing force. Bodies were burning in accordance with the law. He extended his right hand. The fires parted, and the sacred ash fell. Cain's minions brought the third god of the overworld to his feet, barely breathing. And Cain looked down at him and uttered the words, You have created a selfish, vile race of so infrequently empathetic creatures. They, the parasite that they are, will perish from the inside out. And though I will take great pleasure in removing the worst ones from the flock. I will remain forever empty, for I know that they were damned from the beginning. Cain stood tall and stomped the remaining life out of the third god of the overworld. And that was that. The revenant's altar disappeared, and the unsettling sound of the combination of horrific horns of victory and angels' cries sounded all across the land. Cain had gotten what he wanted, a murder in the form of a crucifixion, and man damned forever. It may not seem like much, but this day, his actions ruined my life hundreds of years later. You see, my case was Judas, and I hanged him from a tree, only now to learn that I was just days too late. Somehow, Cain had modified the orders. I approached Cain, keeping my distance. I stood there, tilted my head down towards the ground, and said, Why? He had quite the remarkable response. He said, He's not the Son of God. There are many creators. There are many gods. 
The Egyptians were the closest at realizing this, and you know this just as well as I do. All they care about is themselves. He's right. All I cared about was myself. As much as I loved my family when I was alive, as I think back, all I cared about was myself. In that moment, the picture of me got much smaller. I feel like maybe I was trapped, lured into becoming a revenant, all because of the way I led my life. Kane continued. He said, it could have been anybody. Label him as the son of the only god and watch this confused, aggression-ridden filth destroy it. In the name of what? For what reason? All in the name of control. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. Until the next time we meet, and when you're late to the understanding. Goodbye. And oh yeah, you can leave notes or think that you've hurt or confused one of them, but but all they really want to know is that you're gone for good. Just like him. That dreadful morning, clutching the note that my daughter had left me, drenching it with nervous sweat, she called the investigators emphatically proclaiming that she had new information for my case. Case number VA-134-100848. Murder. Suicide. Now, there are things that I haven't told you, and, and I'm sorry for that. But you have to hear me out. They were way better than me. dug up the coffin and hoisted it back up onto the cold earth. My widow began to shudder. And then, in a quivering voice, she says, Open it. Open it. Open it. Open it. Open it. We can't do that, the investigator says. Not here. You shouldn't even be here. Open it. I beg you. She says, they procure the necessary tools to appease the seemingly grieving widow and open the box of the monster that she once knew. Inside was a poorly arranged body with a black cloth bag over its head, metal zip-tied tight to the neck. The investigator pulled out a knife, cut the bag to expose the face. And my widow says, that's not my husband. And at that moment, the groundskeeper called from across the way, looking down in the hole from where the first casket was exhumed, and said, I think there's another casket down there. And at this moment, if my heart could race, it would be racing. Why can't they just leave it alone? Leave it the fuck alone. And they draw the casket up and place it onto the cold ground. 
something's wrong. This box is so small, and it's made of wood, stained with blood, and rotting. What I'm about to tell you, I hope that it does not dissuade you from the way that you perceive me thus far. You see, we all have secrets, some worth taking to our grave. And in that same line of thought, is it so far out of scope to have those secrets buried with you? Or maybe just buried and locked away far outside of human visibility for as long as existence will allow. Oh, the secrets we keep for the ones that we love. The investigator places a mentholated cloth over his nose and mouth as they open the box. And what's inside is not what we agreed. Revenant 1, signing off.